Go ahead and grab your seats, and thank you for joining us on this rainy night. Always a pleasure to gather together and enjoy some citrus-marinated flame-grilled chicken together. You know, as a uh, Pollo Loco employee, I am not prohibited from visiting other chicken establishments. I like to go to Chick-fil-A every now and then. In fact, I remember a number of years ago, I had taken my kids to Chick-fil-A, I put them in that enclosed little polaria over there while I had lunch with a friend. Some time had gone by, and I heard some commotion coming over from the play area. Glanced over and almost started to laugh because there was this, I don't know, about this two-year-old kid, and he, had, he was swinging from this bar over the steps on the play area. And he's spread eagle, he's swinging, and this kid had, like, no pants on whatsoever. So I did start to laugh for about a nanosecond until I realized, oh no, that's my kid. It's my kid swinging like that. Because he, he was potty training and he would pee in his pull-ups and he'd say, well, I don't need these things anymore. And he'd just cast them aside. And so there he was, swinging in the breeze, nothing on below the waist. So I had to sheepishly go in there, scoop up my kid. Um, as I went in there, I got a lot of disapproving looks from the moms in there who, by the way, had done absolutely nothing to help out with this whole situation. And I scoop up my pantless kid, who's clearly not, not the most popular one in there. And maybe, maybe a small part of me wanted to pretend that, oh, that's not my kid, that belongs to somebody else. But of course, I would, I would never do that. Because even when it's embarrassing, even when people judge me, even when people look down on me, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get my kid. Because he's my son, and I love him, and he's that important to me. Now, as Christians, living in a world that's moving farther and farther away from God, we're going to increasingly be faced with the same kind of choice. When being a Christian is no longer popular, when it's embarrassing, when people will judge you, when people will look down on you, do you still stand with God? Does your love for God, just like my love for my kid, compel you to stand with him? We're going to see in our passage tonight a great, a great example of this in Joseph of Arimathea. When everyone else had fled from Christ, there was Joseph boldly standing with him, doing what needed to be done. So we're going to look at his example, see what we can learn from his life, and apply it to our lives. So when we're faced with a similar kind of choice, we also will stand boldly with God. So with that, let's turn to our passage tonight in Luke chapter 23, verses 50 to 56. And as you turn there, let's go ahead and put the uh, points from Pastor Mike's lesson on the screen. Pastor Mike gave us a lesson this weekend. He spoke on the very same topic. And he said, point number one, you need to fearlessly love to do good. Just like Joseph, you need to fearless and, and, and boldly be a zealous agent for good works. Second, you need to sympathetically love God's people. Like those women following Jesus, we need to have compassionate love that prompts us to do good works. And the third, we need to obediently love God's commands. Just like Joseph and just like those women, they obediently followed the Sabbath. We need to also obediently follow God's laws. So where I want to focus tonight, though, is on that example of Joseph. 
Just like in point number one, the fearlessness, how we can be fearless as we boldly stand with Christ and do the good works that he's called us to do. So with that, let's go ahead and read the passage. Again, Luke 23, verses 50 through 56. It says, Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and a righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid it in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and they prepared the spices and ointments. And then on the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. Now, remember the context here. The crucifixion, everyone had fled from Christ. Even his disciples, his own disciples, did not have the courage to stand with God. But yet, you here you have Joseph, boldly doing what needed to be done. And his boldness, his boldness can be a great example for us if we would just take the time to learn from him. Or as I put on your outline, point number one, we need to understand biblical boldness. Understand biblical boldness, because Joseph is an amazing example of biblical boldness. There's a lot. There's a lot we can learn from Joseph in just these few short verses. But I summarize it as four things. Four things we can learn from Joseph about boldness. Four things we need to do in our lives if we also want to stand boldly with Christ. It starts with the first one. First point is we need to live righteously. You want to stand with Christ? You've got to be committed to living a righteous life. Which is exactly what Joseph did. You see it right there in verse 50. It says he was a good and a righteous man. He had a good standing in Judaism. He followed God. He obeyed his commandments. But the Gospel of John tells us he was a, he was a secret disciple. At this point, he hadn't yet publicly stepped out for Christ, but he was in the habit of making godly decisions each and every day in his life. And this is good practice. It's good practice for us because if we're not in the habit of living righteously, if we're not in the habit of making even those small decisions each and every day to live godly lives, to say no to temptation, to say no to compromise, even in those small things, we're never going to be ready when that big moment comes. So you've got to commit each and every day to live righteously. But second, you have to look for kingdom opportunities. What do I mean? Well, look at verse 51. It says, Joseph was looking for the kingdom of God. That means he was searching scriptures to see what they said about Christ. And because he was looking, he was ready to serve when that opportunity presented itself. I mean, think about it. How was Joseph able to do all that needed to be done? Jesus died about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Passover started about 6 o'clock. That's three hours. Joseph had to decide to speak up. He had to go all the way over to Pilate. He had to ask Pilate for the body. He had to come back to the cross, take down the body, carry it to the tomb, prepare the body, wrap the body. And by the way, why was there a tomb? Why did he have a tomb right there by the cross? He was a rich man. He could have afforded better. Do you think all this happened just 
by coincidence? Not likely. What Joseph did required preparation. It required planning. Well, how do you know? Well, we don't know for sure, but many commentators think that Joseph had searched the scriptures. He knew Jesus would die, and he prepared accordingly. Who knows? But either way, the point is he was looking and he was ready when the opportunity arose. You want to stand out for God in your life? You got to be looking for ways to speak up, to stand up. Don't miss those opportunities. You got to be ready and look for kingdom opportunities. Third, you got to be willing to speak up. Like Joseph was. Verse 52 says, as he gathered up his courage, he went to ask Pilate, for the body of Jesus. Now, there was plenty of reasons for Joseph not to speak up here and ask for the body. And practically, it's the Passover. He touches the dead body. He's going to be unclean for the Passover. But more than that, think about Jesus. He was just crucified, executed as an insurrectionist. He's not a popular guy with Rome. More than that, even the Jews hated him. His own council of which Joseph was a part condemned Jesus. Imagine the price that Joseph paid when the other council members found out what he did. He did what with Jesus? No, he's not going to be a popular guy. But Joseph placed God's will above his own reservations. I love the way Mark puts it in Mark 15, verse 43. It says, Joseph of Arimathea, look at those words here, because this, this is what it takes. He took courage. That's what we need to do. He took courage and he went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. Joseph openly confessing loyalty to Christ, the crucified insurrectionist. This was, this was a bold and this was a decisive move. Joseph was a secret disciple no longer. And Joseph facing the pivotal moment of his life here and every bit of worldly wisdom would tell him to keep quiet. But his boldness for Christ compelled them to speak up. There are plenty of reasons for you to keep quiet about Christ in your life. You're looking for a reason to keep quiet? In your workplace, with your neighbors, your friends, you're looking for that reason? You're going to find it. Or you can resolve to learn boldness from Joseph and speak up for Christ. Finally, number four, we need to be ready to sacrifice. Be ready to sacrifice. Because Joseph took what he had. What did he have? He had his wealth. He was willing to give that back to God. Bought a tomb. God, it's yours. Gospel of Mark tells us that he uh, bought linen to wrap the body. Ready to use it for Christ. Gospel of John tells us his buddy Nicodemus took 75 pounds of spices. These rich men taking the material gifts that God gave them and freely giving them back. To God. I mean, imagine that moment, Joseph's own hands taking Christ down off the cross. When otherwise that body would have just been left there to rot or maybe, maybe thrown outside the city. And Joseph lovingly carrying that body to the tomb, preparing that body, and lovingly wrapping that body. This is an act that we are still here 2,000 years later talking about. And more than that, I'm sure that Joseph's going to reap the rewards for this for all of eternity, all because he took what he had and he was ready to sacrifice that back to Christ. 
Think about the things that you have in your life. Maybe things that you're holding on to a little, a little too tightly. You've got to ask yourself, is it, is it worth it? Or would it be better used if I gave it back to God? Joseph made bold moves, lived righteously. He looked for kingdom opportunities, looked for opportunities to do good. He was willing to speak up even when it was unpopular. He was ready to sacrifice even when it was costly. That, that's biblical boldness. And we'd do well to follow that. Now, God may not call you, though, to take someone down from a cross. But he may call you to do something that demands a similar amount of boldness. Because in the world we live in, we're going to find ourselves in similar situations as Joseph. When everyone else has fled from Christ. When it's dangerous and costly to speak up for him. The question is, what are you going to do? i tell you this, if you don't prepare, if you're not ready, if you're not committed, you're going to fail. That's why you've got to commit yourself. Or point number two on your outline, as I put it, you've got to commit to stand with Christ. That means you've got to decide right now, when that next moment comes, I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter if I'm scared. It doesn't matter if I'm embarrassed. I am going to stand with Christ. And there's a lot of ways that you can do this. But as I thought about this, and I thought about us as Christian husbands and wives, living in the place that we do, living at the time that we do, I thought there's three particular ways that we can stand with Christ in our lives. Three specific areas of our lives where we can make a commitment to stand with Christ. And it starts with the first one, point number one. You need to stand with Christ in your relationships. You can utilize the relationships God's given you to identify with Christ. In whatever circles you're in, your coworkers, your neighbors, parents on the kids' sports teams, you can use those relationships as opportunities to speak up for Christ. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking about our uh, former Thrive leader, Mr. Scott Gilmore. Those of you that know him, you know you couldn't get very long in a conversation with that guy before the topic turns to Tennessee, right? It doesn't matter what you're talking about. You could say, I don't know, hey, Scott, you see that, uh, you see that sunset last night? Go, oh, yeah, that was pretty. Oh, I loved Oh, that the colors were magnificent. The orange in that sunset reminded me of the orange of the volunteers from the great state of Tennessee. Do you know there's only 340 days to the next Tennessee football game? And you're like, whoa, how did we get there? <laughs> It seemed like every conversation ended up at Tennessee football because the guy was so passionate about Tennessee, he couldn't help talking about it. That's the same kind of passion we need, but about Christ, which Scott also shared that passion. But that passion to turn every single conversation and as many relationships as we have back to Christ because we are that passionate about him. And we don't care if people think that we're weird. We don't care if we might lose some of those relationships. Just like Joseph taking up that courage and going to talk to Pilate, we've got to take up our courage and start speaking up for Christ. We've got to be, we've got to be committed to that. Never letting a day go by where you're not talking to somebody about Christ. Are people going to think you're weird? Sure. You're going to get excluded from things? Probably. Probably. 
People are going to say things about you? Maybe. But you've got to resolve and you've got to commit, just like Joseph did, that I am not going to be a secret disciple of Christ any longer. No, I'm going to stand up for Christ and I am going to be known as a follower of him. You've got to stand with Christ in your relationships. But more specifically, number two, you've got to stand with Christ in your marriage. In your marriage, because your marriage is a gift. Think about it. It's a gift given to you by God, and we would be foolish not to use that gift for Christ. Because as a married couple, you've got a unique opportunity to minister to other non-Christian couples in your lives. Why? Because you're already hanging out with them. And your kids are friends with their kids, or whatever the reason. But you've got to be purposeful in those relationships. You should be setting goals as a couple. You should be sitting down with your spouse saying, let's minister to to these three couples that we know and invite them over and pray about it and see if you can influence them for the kingdom of God. Using the relationships your marriage provides to speak up for Christ. Well, there's another way you can use your marriage to stand up for Christ. And let me warn you, you will really stand out if you do this. If you start boldly, and publicly living out and exemplifying the biblical roles of husbands and wives. Husbands, you start sacrificially leading your marriage. Wives, you start submitting to your husband, and you start doing this publicly as you're living out your life, and you're talking about this publicly. What you're doing, people will take notice. Let me warn you, spoiler alert here, they're not always going to like it. Think about it, wives. You're hanging out with your non-Christian friends, and they, I don't know, they ask you to, to go do something, to go make some sort of commitment, and you say, I don't know, let me go home and check with my husband. How's that conversation going to go? Or guys, you say, so you know what, to the other guys, I can't go golfing with you this weekend. I promised my wife I would watch the kids all weekend for her. What are they going to think about your selfless act? But if you use what God's given you, in this case, your marriage, just like Joseph used the wealth given to him, you use that marriage to stand up for God, he's going to reward you for that. And finally, and quickly, let's be bold to affirm God's definition of marriage between one woman and one man. And let's start speaking up for that. I don't mean rudely. I don't mean arrogantly. Definitely don't mean politically. But let's not let society's hatred of what God's designed in marriage keep us from speaking up about it and keep us from praising God for the wonderful gift of marriage that he's given us. You've got to stand with Christ in your marriage. And finally, you've got to stand for Christ in your household. Let's commit to standing out for Christ by running our household in a way that's different than the world. That means people should be able to look at your household. Look at the things that you do with your time and your money and see that you're different. Joseph's actions with his time and his money clearly set him apart. Clearly defined him as a follower of Christ. We've got to make that same kind of a commitment to set ourselves apart in how we lead our household. Well, what does that mean? It means maybe the things that, on, that you watch on TV and movies that should probably look a little different than the world. I don't know what it is. Maybe you say, need to say no to watching R-rated movies. Or maybe you need to not watch that show on Netflix that everybody else at work is talking about. 
And they say, well, why aren't you watching that? And you say, well, I don't think God would be pleased with me if I watch that. Is that going to make you stand out? How about the way you spend your money? People say, hey, well, where are you going on vacation this year? And you say, I'm not going on vacation because I'm going I'm to give money to Compass 2020 instead. You say, Compass 2020, what's that? Looking different. Even in your parenting. You want to commit to parenting your kids biblically? That's going to make you look different. Whatever the decision is. Say, I'm not going to let my kids watch that kind of show or hang out with those kind of kids or or do that kind of activity. You're going to stand out. It might be hard. People are probably not going to like it. That's what God has called you to do. God's called you to use every relationship, every aspect of your marriage, every aspect of your household to stand boldly with Christ. Now, with worship and a little bit of a shorter lesson tonight, I don't have time to go deeper into this, but take time in your small group to talk about this. How you can utilize your marriage, utilize your house, utilize what God's given you to stand out from God, to differentiate you from the world. And make it clear to that unbelieving world that you stand with Christ. Joseph, on that fateful day, faced two options. He could stand quietly by, letting fear shut him up. Or he could stand boldly with Christ. He chose that latter option and he's going to reap the rewards of that for eternity. We're living in a very similar time right now. Don't. I plead with you. Don't. Don't let the world's opposition to everything that God says is good. Don't let that shut you up. Cast that aside. Stand boldly with Christ. Just as we sang tonight, I will boast in Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. Let that be the words that come out of your mouth. Choose that option, and you'll also reap rewards for eternity. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I just thank you. Thank you for the book of Luke that we've gone over for so long now, and particularly getting to this example of Joseph of Arimathea, and what an amazing example it is of a guy that lived in a world where there was so much opposition to Christ and so much opposition to what you want to do And he casts that all aside to stand with you. And I just pray that we can learn that courage. We can learn that boldness. And we can learn to stand out for you. Help us not be afraid to use our relationships and use our marriage as opportunities, as tools to further your message, to stand out for you, Lord. Help us to resolve not to be secret followers of you. Help us resolve to stand boldly with you and give us wisdom and insight, even in our small group discussions right now, how we can encourage one another to do this and to boldly declare to an unbelieving world that I don't care if you oppose me. I care so much more about God. Help us to understand how we can boldly live that out in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.